Welcome to the weekly sermons and studies podcast at First Baptist. Today's speaker is our senior pastor, Dr. Jeff Reynolds. Let's pray together. Father, we're so thankful that you make yourself known to us. And we're thankful that you have made yourself knowable to us. And we're thankful that you have made yourself accessible to us through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who is the way, the truth, and the life. And we can come to you only through Jesus. Well, today we come to you, Almighty God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And we pray that through your word and by your spirit who is in this place, that you would transform us by the renewing of our minds so that when we leave this experience, we leave different, more like Jesus. That we would more fully dwell in the faith once for all delivered to the saints. And that we would live it out in such a way that everywhere we go, we would leave that place better because you are in us and we are there. And so transform us, Lord. Make us more like Jesus. For it's in his precious and holy name that we pray. Amen. You ever wondered what holds us back from doing what God wants us to do? I mean, it's clear the Bible is full of things that God wants us to do. It's not just a list of don'ts. There's a whole lot of do's in there. Have you ever wondered what keeps us from doing that? Is it the devil? Is it fear? Is it pride? Is it some sense of not wanting to appear too religious in a world that values secularism over that which is sacred? What is it? What holds us back from doing what God wants us to do? I and mean, we just had a, a service where we sang, and, and some of us didn't sing because we're not quite sure that God or our neighbor really wants to hear the joyful noise that we make. Some of us hold off from getting baptized because we're, we're not sure we want to take that step. And I mean, that's a big commitment, and it's in front of people. And, and what happens if we mess up after we've been through the waters of baptism? Some of us don't pray because we're not really sure we know how to do it. And we've heard people at church, and often the really holy people use King James English, and we're not really good with Shakespearean language, and so we don't want to mess up, so we hold off and we don't pray, and we don't read our Bibles because, well, we're, we're not really sure we have time to, and if we're honest, we're not really sure that we'll enjoy it if we do. We don't serve because, well, you know, the church has a lot of people, and, and I'm sure they've got people who are better than me at doing those things. I'm not real sure that God wants to use somebody like me anyway. We don't go on that mission trip because we're not quite sure that we're missionary material, you know? And I mean, missionaries are special people. They're set about, apart by God, and they go to the ends of the earth to do amazing things in the name of Jesus, and maybe that's just not me. We don't... We don't invite people to church because we're just not sure how they'll view us if we do. That's kind of crossing a line. We don't talk about politics, we don't talk about religion, and we don't invite them to church because, well, they might think we're a little weird if we do. And we we certainly don't share our faith because that might cross that line. We don't tithe because we're not sure that, that we can make ends meet if we follow the Lord in that degree of obedience. You know, there's a lot of things that we get held back from doing and, and whatever it is that holds us back from doing what God has called us to do, it also holds us back from living the best life that God has for us. 
And that's exactly what God wants for us. He wants us to dwell in his best for us. And, and so everything that God's ever asked us to do, he's asked us to do so that we would glorify him, so that we would help others trust and follow Jesus, but really so that we might walk in the life that he desires for us to have. Because here's the truth. There are people in this service right now, people who are a part of this worship experience, who have taken that step and they've, they've crossed those lines and they've found that when we do what God asks us to do, those are some of the most positive, life-transforming things that we've ever done. People sing. And listen, we got people in this room that can't carry a tune in a bucket. They don't even have a bucket to carry it in. It's okay. But you know that God really does desire to hear our joyful noise because he's the one that gave us the voice anyway. He knows whether we can sing pretty or not, but he still wants to hear us sing. And so there are people who sing out and they found that it blesses God and it blesses them when they do. There's something beautiful about this room, the resonant sound of the congregation in worship. And you got the choir up here, and you got a big choir out here, and when all of that combines within the context of the acoustics of this room, man, the, the sound swells, doesn't it? Isn't it beautiful? There are people in here who've been baptized. They've taken that step, and I can tell you, I have baptized a lot of people over the years, and I've never had anybody come out of the water and say, man, I wish I hadn't done that. That was terrible. Not one time. Every single time people have come out of the water saying, you know what, I am so thankful that I have publicly identified with Jesus Christ, telling the world that he is my Lord and Savior, and I am proud to admit it. And it's that great first step of obedience. And if I can take that first step of obedience in following Jesus, then guess what I can do? I can take the next step of obedience in following Jesus. It's a beautiful thing. People who pray, and, and they've learned a couple things. Number one, if you want to do King James English, you are welcome to. Nothing wrong with that at all. But you can also do 21st century English or any other language in the world, and God loves it. He accepts it. And people who have learned what it is just to talk to God, to do so throughout the course of their day, to do so throughout the course of their night, and to just pour their heart out to God and to see him move. The old adage is that prayer changes things. Well, it's not because we're great at praying. It's because of the one to whom we're praying. There are people who serve in this room, and one of the things that, that they've learned is that God has given them gifts and talents and abilities and resources to use for his glory. And when we step out and say, okay, I'm not sure you, I'm not sure you know what you're doing by asking me to do it, Lord, but I'll, I'll, I'll do it. He blesses the world through that. People who read their Bibles daily. And yeah, there are some, there are some parts. There are some chronologies. There are some, uh, what do you call them, family tree lineages in there. And you read the names and you're like, I don't get it. These names don't mean much. You know, Freddie Brown had that experience until he decided to start approaching those lists of family trees and lineages in the Bible the way he approaches his own family tree. And you know what he discovered? It's pretty amazing. He gave a presentation on this to our SAF uh, last year. It's pretty amazing to see how God lines everything up, even in our lineages, to do amazing things. It's a beautiful thing. Oh, there are people who go on mission trips 
And that mission trip they were afraid to go on became their first mission trip because they went over there and they saw what God did. Apparently, missionary material is a thing that God decides, and he can bring things out of us that we never knew he put there, but he did. There are people in this room who've invited others to church, and they've watched their friends and family and people that they love experience the joy of having a church family so that so they've got a community that celebrates their joys and walks with them through their sorrows. And they're not in it alone. There are people who've learned what it is to share the faith. Mike Jones shares the faith really, really well in a lot of different contexts, and the joy that exudes out of him is unbelievable. He is our chief hugging officer here at First Baptist Church. I don't even know, Mike, if I told you that, but I appointed you the last time I was in Celebrate Recovery. I said, Mike is our CHO, chief hugging officer here at First Baptist Church. Why? Because he shares the faith, and people come closer to God as a result of his life and ministry. It's amazing. There are people in this room who tithe. You know what they found? They have found that God doesn't just meet your needs, he exceeds your needs every time. And when we give faithfully, you know the only people that get mad when you talk about giving are the people that don't. So if you're mad right now, I mean, that's between you and God. I don't know what you give if you give anything like that. But I had somebody who's a part of this service say, you know, I was really nervous about that, but I learned it was a whole lot easier to live on 90% than it was to try to live on 100. God meets and exceeds our needs. He always does. So whatever it is that holds us back from doing what God has asked us to do, it is holding us back from, from living the very best life that God wants us to live now. It's, it's, it's robbing blessing from us. How many of you have ever served and you found out that by serving, it really was you who received the greater blessing even than the one you were serving? Yeah. Well, today we're going to look at the story of a couple of guys who just did what God wanted them to do, and God transformed them. Now, we're going to focus more on one of them. We're going to look at the story of Philip the Evangelist, Philip the Deacon, and the Ethiopian eunuch in their encounter in Acts chapter 8. And we're going to see that just by doing the things that God said to do, God did amazing things in both of their lives. So I want to invite you to turn with me to Acts chapter 8. We're going to look at verses 26 through 39 today. We're going to look at the story of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. And if you're in the Red Pew Bible here in the room, that is page 917. But we're going to see today that the Ethiopian eunuch decided to follow Jesus, and his life was transformed. We're likewise going to see that Philip, the evangelist, Philip the deacon, named in Acts chapter 6, he decided to follow Jesus, and his life was transformed. So I want to invite you to turn with me to this story. Acts chapter 8, beginning with verse 26. Dr. Luke writes, as he's carried along by the Holy Spirit, saying this, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south, to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. Our first point today is this. 
The Ethiopian eunuch followed Jesus to a new encounter. The Ethiopian eunuch followed Jesus to a new encounter. Now, again, we have two stories that are converging here. So we get to see from the outside looking in what's going on in the life of Philip and what's going on in the life of the Ethiopian eunuch. First, we learn that God is sending Philip to go to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Have y'all ever heard of those places? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you can turn on the news and you can hear about them today. God's been moving in this region of the world for a long time. So Philip is being sent. Philip has already been sent to Samaria. Because remember, Jesus said to his disciples that you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. What are we watching unfold? We're watching Acts 1-8 come to life. And so now, because the early disciples of Jesus followed him in Jerusalem, witnessed to him in Jerusalem and in Judea. Well, the guy named Philip was raised up to be one of the early deacons of the church. And he was used by God to go into Samaria to proclaim the gospel. And now he's going to be used by God to proclaim the gospel to one who came from Ethiopia. So listen to what Philip did in response to the call of God. It's recorded in the first part of Acts chapter 8, verse 27. You ready? God said go through his messenger, the angel. And what did Philip do? And he rose and went. Well, that's deep stuff, isn't it? It's that simple. God said go, Philip went. And that set the stage for an incredible encounter that we're still reading about two millennia later. And then what happened? Well, you've got the Ethiopian eunuch. Now, the Ethiopian eunuch, we learn about him that he is a court official in the court of the queen, Candace of Ethiopia. He was over her treasury, a vitally important individual within the kingdom of Ethiopia. We don't know a whole lot about him, but we know that he was important, and we know this about him that he was evidently what is called a God-fearer. What is a God-fearer? A God-fearer is the name of those Gentiles who are not of Jewish descent, who are not of Jewish religion, who are not of Jewish lineage, who have decided nevertheless that they want to identify themselves with the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The Ethiopian eunuch was a Gentile who wanted to worship Yahweh. And so what did he do? Well, he, he worshiped Yahweh in the way that Yahweh had prescribed for Yahweh to be worshiped. And that was he went to Jerusalem. And some of you have been there. He went into the old city, there to the Temple Mount. And he went to the temple. Now, because he was a eunuch, he couldn't go into the inner courts of the temple, but he got as close as he could to the temple of Almighty God to worship God. Why? Because that's what God had said to do. Because there at the temple was where the Spirit of Almighty God would come down on the mercy seat in the Holy of Holies and interact with his people. And the Ethiopian eunuch was just doing what God had prescribed. He had gone to Jerusalem to worship to worship the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And though he was not a physical descendant of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, he nevertheless went just doing what he's supposed to do, just going to worship, that's all. And so because he did what he was supposed to do, and that's recorded in Acts 8, 27, the last part of the verse, he had come to Jerusalem to worship. 
pretty mundane. Y'all came to church this morning to worship. Just doing what God asked him to do. That's it. Watch what's going to happen as their paths converge. There's going to be an encounter. God is sending Philip to the Ethiopian eunuch. God is preparing the Ethiopian eunuch to encounter Philip so that they together might grow closer to God. It's going to be amazing. Did you know that simply doing the little mundane things that God calls us to do positions us to have a close encounter with God. I, I used to be in university ministry, and university students have two major questions, at least they did 20 years ago. Number one, what am I supposed to do? Number two, with whom am I supposed to do that? In other words, what's my career and who should I marry, right? Those, are, those tend to be at the forefront, in my experience of working with college students, of what is on their minds. And so it, it, it was very simple. God didn't say, hey, Jeff, you should marry Aaron and then go into ministry. There's no book in here that tells me that. But what God did say is a whole lot in this book that if I will simply do what he's asked me to do in this book, then he positions me to know what he wants me to do that is outside of the teaching of this book. In other words, what career path should you follow? Who should you marry? Those sorts of things matter. So if I'm dating, well, then I want to approach my dating relationship in the way that God has prescribed. I want to, uh, to, to approach it purely. I want to approach it recognizing that we are both servants of Almighty God. I want to approach it without crossing the boundaries that God has set for me within the text. I want to approach it in a way that honors God, and that best positions me to have a clear mind and a clear heart to know, God, are you calling me to go further with this person? Because what happens if I don't follow the boundaries that God has set within his word? Then all of a sudden, I am not thinking clearly. There can be other things that compel me to be with a person that God said don't do yet, and it can put me in a bad place. Or if, even if I'm pursuing my studies and I'm looking at what career path should I follow, it's, it's about doing the right things in the right way with the right heart in the moment. If I stay within the boundaries of what God has called me to do within his word, even within my studies or even within my early jobs, then that best prepares me to understand, God, what do you want from me next? It's when we do the mundane things that God said to do, then that opens us up to understand not only our next steps that God wants us to take, but also it opens us up to experience the extraordinary things that God wants to do in our lives. That's what we're trying to do with our kids right now. I don't know much about raising kids. I have 15 years of experience. We're doing the best we can. But the way we approach it is this. We're going to do the things that God said to do now so that prayerfully that will prepare our children and us for the next things that are coming. We're going to, we're going to do the best we can. Those of you who are parents in the room, bless your hearts. Bless your hearts. It's not easy. Y'all understand that, right? I mean, when Griffin was a baby and we could put him in a cage, I mean a playpen, and... Um, <laughs> It wasn't a cage. You don't have to make any phone calls. It was a playpen. 
But functionally, it kept him, I mean, you know, and we thought, man, this is hard because he like makes noises and other stuff and we have to deal with cleaning it up and all that. You know what I've discovered? When I could put him in a playpen, parenting was a lot easier. You say, well, you didn't sleep as much. You're right. 15, you don't sleep much either for different reasons. All right, so what do we do? We do the best we know to do in this moment, according to the teaching of Almighty God and the leadership of the Holy Spirit, and that best positions us to know what to do in other moments. And others of you, I can feel you looking at me right now. Wait till they're 25. <laughs> I know, I know. That's why we have church family and we're in this thing together. Because it's not easy, is it? What do we do? We do what God says now in the mundane details, and that best positions us for what's coming next. That best positions us to see God's extraordinary revealed in our lives next. Well, look with me at verse 30. We're going to see this happen. <clears throat> so Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. And like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with the scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. Our second point. The Ethiopian eunuch followed Jesus to a new understanding. The Ethiopian eunuch followed Jesus to a new understanding. Now, what else was the Ethiopian eunuch doing? Not only had he gone up to Jerusalem to worship, but what else was he doing? He was reading the word of God. And some of you recognize the passage that he was reading. It wasn't named or it wasn't numbered in this way at this point, but he's reading Isaiah chapter 53. Let me give you the fuller context of what he's re reading. This is Isaiah 53, verses 1 through the first part of verse 10. Who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant, and like a root out of dry ground, he had no form or majesty that we should look at him, and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not." Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray, we have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. And as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off from the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people? And they made his grave with the wicked and with a rich man in his death." 
although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. That's Isaiah 53, verses 1 through the first part of verse 10. This is the passage that the Ethiopian eunuch is reading. We know about whom this passage was written. We know about whom the prophet Isaiah is speaking. The Ethiopian eunuch doesn't. Who's he talking about, himself or somebody else? This is the way that God took the baseball and set it on the tee for Philip. That's what he did. Because this is one of the most amazing, messianic, prophetic texts in the entire Old Testament. More than 300 messianic, prophetic texts in the Old Testament. And God had brought the Ethiopian eunuch to Isaiah 53, a passage written 700 years before the time of Christ, but so beautifully fulfilled in the person of Jesus of Nazareth. And God had prepared the Ethiopian eunuch for the ministry that he was calling Philip to do. And again, the way I think about it is God set the baseball on the tee. And all Philip had to do was walk up and swing the bat. God had prepared this encounter. Again, how? Philip was just doing what God told him to do. The Ethiopian eunuch was just doing what God told him to do. Now their stories are converging. And the Ethiopian eunuch says, who's he talking about? So what does Philip do? He tells him the story of Jesus. He tells him about Jesus. Let me tell you who this is. Let me tell you about God's Messiah who came in the flesh, born of the Virgin Mary, who lived a life without sin, and then who suffered for my sake and for yours upon an old rugged cross. He bore our sin in his body on that tree, and it is by his wounds that we are healed. Philip is able to share the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ with the Ethiopian, Ethiopian eunuch. How many of you have found whenever you go to share Christ, God's been there before you got there? You ever found that? You go on the mission trip, you go out, you're scared to death. I'll never forget going down. We were in Greensboro, North Carolina, and we were taking boxes of food into this, this neighborhood where the need was great. And this gentleman was there, and I got to share Christ with him, and I was petrified, petrified. I was sharing this little booklet called The Four Spiritual Laws from Campus Crusade for Christ. It was a yellow book, and I was shaking as I did it. But you know, God had already been working in his heart. God had already been ministering to him through his grandparents and through his parents. God had already been ministering to him through the church community that was around where he had grown up. God had gotten there first. And that's still the case. When I share the gospel with people today, God gets there first. God had gotten to the Ethiopian eunuch first. God was working in Philip and bringing their stories to converge. Watch what happens. This is remarkable. Philip explains to him the passage that he's reading. And now look with me at verse 36. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, see, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. 
Our final point today is this. The Ethiopian eunuch followed Jesus to a new obedience. The Ethiopian eunuch followed Jesus to a new obedience. So here's the Ethiopian eunuch on his way home from Jerusalem, having been there to worship the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Here's Philip, having heard from God, go over to this road. And they're in the desert. This is a desert place, the Bible had said. And the Ethiopian eunuch is reading Isaiah 53. He's not sure who it's talking about. So Philip shows up and shares the story of Jesus. He shares the good news of the gospel with the Ethiopian eunuch. And the Ethiopian eunuch responds in faith. You say, well, how do we know that he responds in faith? You can't see faith, right? You can't, you can't look at faith. Faith is an inward reality. So how do we know that the Ethiopian eunuch responds in faith? Well, they came across a pool of water in the middle of a desert. See, again, God's put all this together. They came across a pool of water in the middle of the desert, and the Ethiopian eunuch says, here's water. What prevents me from getting baptized? And I can just see Philip going, well, nothing. And so they both went down into the water, provided they are in the desert by the hand of Almighty God. Water to which God had led them. Water to which God had called them. And they went down in the water, and the Ethiopian eunuch professed his faith in Jesus Christ, confessing that he believed that this individual who was prophesied seven centuries before his coming by the prophet Isaiah was Jesus of Nazareth who died on a cross, who rose the third day from the grave, who had ascended into heaven, but who was still very much at work within the world. Do you know next week we're going to go into that water with someone who is coming to profess his faith in Jesus Christ? who is coming to say, Jesus is the Lord of my life, and I'm not ashamed to publicly identify with him. Why is that happening? Well, for this individual, it is this man following the conviction to which the Holy Spirit has led him through his holy word, his desire to trust Jesus enough to follow him. But what is happening is what seems like a relatively mundane decision is going to best position this individual to embrace God's extraordinary in his life. Maybe you need to do that too. What's holding you back from taking your next step with Jesus? There's only blessing there. Doesn't mean it'll be easy, but it means you'll be blessed if you take it. Thank you for listening, and we hope you'll join us next time. We'd love to connect with you. Just email connect at firstbaptistbg.org or call 270-842-0331.